welcome to episode four of the Architecture Student Diary. Welcome back. I'm excited to be here for this episode. I hope everyone is doing good and has had a good week. Um, apologies because this episode is a bit late as I've been back from my architecture trip to Venice, which I'm very excited to dig into in this episode. So let me tell you all about my trip to Venice. I went for six days and six nights. We left on a Saturday, on a Sunday, and we came back on a Saturday. So yeah, six days, and we stayed yeah on on the island of Venice, um, not far from yeah everything going on. And it was so good. Like it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. For some reason, I just had the idea of an academic trip just not being what I expected it to be. But it was that and more. It was so good. Um, let me tell you about a bit about the structure of how it worked. So we had, uh, there were about 20 of us on the trip. And yeah, we got a flight over to Marco Polo Airport. Not far from the city centre. And um, we had, we, the main reason we'd gone was for the um, Venice Architecture Biennale. Which is this exhibition which takes place every two years. So there's like two locations in Venice that are like not far from one another where there are like pavilions of different countries. So there was like, for example, there's like a a Polish pavilion, a Swedish pavilion, a Danish pavilion. And you can like go inside and each exhibition like showcases a different um, like, yeah, I guess different ideas, like architectural ideas. Um, based on a theme that had been chosen for that year. So I think it happens every two years. It alternates between art and architecture. So this year, yeah, the obviously the architecture department got to get their third year students to go. Out of the six days, we spent two of the days um, for the architecture biennale. So one day in the first location and one day in the second location. Yeah, we kind of went as a group, but um, we kind of like slid off into like our mini groups of our friends and um, split off into the, to see the exact pavilions that we were most interested in the exhibition we went to on the first day was really cool so i vividly remember it was like in this it's like a really like it spreads over a really wide area so when we first enter we had like the scandinavian pavilion which was the first one we went into and it the room was filled with collages and like it was also talking a lot about forestry so there was like loads of pieces of wood everywhere and with pieces of writing on it there was books there it was it was really interesting some of the pavilions to see like how they've chosen to represent certain ideas because even at times I really thought like some of them were a lot more art than architecture um what other ones can I think of that show that for example there was a Japanese pavilion which is really interesting where they had this chandelier of like stones like hanging from the ceiling but like it hung from like the second floor and went down through a hole down to the ground floor um and yeah that was um not what I expected but it was still really beautiful um and they also had like models upstairs and they had a lot of a lot of projection actually was used in the models this year that I saw um where there'd be a model made out of like card and then they'd have like a really mini projector and that would like project scenes onto it or pictures or sketches onto the pieces of work, which I thought was really clever. Definitely something I'd love to do. Um, I know we do have access to like a visualizer, but oh well, projector. But I even tried to look up to get one of the ones that they had there. <laughs> it was literally eight hundred pounds. I was like, no, yeah, I'm not gonna buy an eight hundred pound projector just for like one project. 
but I'm gonna try and see if that's something that I can implement into my own my own projects. What else did I see? We also had pavilions. I went into the German pavilion. I went into the French pavilion. There was a British pavilion as well. So like I, although I remember most vividly the German one, as they were kind of exploring the theme of building and construction, but in a way where they literally you walked in and there was just raw material everywhere, and they were like literally workers still working on the pavilion. But I don't know if they were just making things. But yeah, there's lots of wood. People there in high vis jackets making stuff, and. They even had, like, a little section that was, like, take what you want. Like, it was just, like, blocks of wood and, like, utensils and random things you could just take. Um, so it was very abstract. Like, but it was still interesting to go around and see how they've interpreted it. And a lot of people must have worked on these things to try and convey a message. So I really tried hard to understand what it is they were trying to show. I also remember the Austrian Pavilion, which was, like, a dark room, which had a movie being shown inside, like, a short film about forestry and agri- like I think it was agriculture but it was like also like collage of like loads of other like flashing images and things there as well um I feel like I'm describing this very well but it's there were some of the ideas were very abstract like I couldn't exactly pinpoint them those were the most memorable ones so the Austrian one the Japanese one and also apparently the Canadian one's really good but I actually missed that one I think we were all just there were so many pavilions and they're also quite big. And because, I mean, they're not all the countries in the world, but there was a lot of countries in the world that were there. I'd say at least, you know, 30, uh, 30 or more countries um, represented in pavilions there. So you couldn't go around and see all of them. But a lot of people like the Canadian one. I also like the Danish one. They had like a model, um, loads of models that were like encased in like acrylic and that like, had layers of the model inside. So like they'd be made from like different mediums. And like if you you could see like all the layers of like a map through this like acrylic box, which is very cool. But what I liked the most about the Biennale was the exhibition that was like in the main, the main building. So they had all the pavilions for different countries and then you had the main pavilion. And this was at the, what was it called? So the pavilions I've described so far were at the Giardini exhibition and there's also an Arsenale exhibition. So this was two different locations. I think they're about like, 15 minutes away from each other and we walked there on both days but um at the Giardini pavilion there was the um Leslie Loco main feature of the exhibition so Leslie Loco was the curator of the entire Biennale this year and I think most of her work and like emphasis on her themes which was I think bringing architecture African architecture to the forefront of the exhibition because there weren't a lot of developing countries that had pavilions at the exhibitions in previous years and I think this is something they're trying to bring forward and try and showcase the potential that African architecture has um through this exhibition I really really enjoyed this part of the exhibition I think it's the part that wowed me the most and I think it was also part of what I'd read about the exhibition and I was finally seeing that in action because sometimes the things in some of the pavilions can be so unique I didn't hear hear as much about them as this main part of the exhibition where I saw models from um, Ajay Associates, which were absolutely incredible. Like they had lights inside of them and they had vegetation all around them. And they all were like very consistent, neutral colour scheme and big and just beautifully, beautifully made. Um, there were also like, I think it was like, there were also loads of images. I think they 
did this like AI generated like Afrofuturism exhibition where they had loads of images of like different African women in different workplaces and scenarios, which is very cool. And it was like you could kind of see some of the architecture behind it and some of the futurism. Um, which has may have been a bit conceptual, but you never know, something that could happen. Um, and there were also some of those spaces were cre- some of the spaces were curated with like we had mud walls in one like this mud wall that went through the exhibition that you that had like holes in it that you could look in and there'd be like a video showing in like a little cubby hole of the exhibition, which was very cool. This main building with all the African architecture in it was my favourite bit of it. By far, I think it, or each room like surprised you with something different where there was um, visuals on the walls, um, you know, small videos that you could watch about models and how things have been made, mini documentaries about different African architects and you could read like the biographies of each, well, biographies and description of each curator of each exhibition there too. And you're learning about a lot of new people that I'd never heard of before, which is really interesting. And yeah, it was very, very eye-opening. And yeah, that was kind of the reason, the architecture biennale was the reason we went. On the second day, we went to the Arsenale part, which is it's very similar to the first part, um, the first exhibition we went to, where it had even more pavilions with more, loca- with more countries, with their own pavilion, with their own exhibition inside. Like one I remember, I can't remember which country it was. I feel like it was Latvia or something. And they had like a shopping centre where... It was like they had like products that were like on pieces of card that were on shelves, but the products instead of having names of ingredients, it had like different countries and um, facts about them. And as you walk through the shop, you could like hear the shopping sounds, and it was very strange. I sometimes I was thinking like, how does this relate to architecture? But it was still fun to go into. Um, there were also others. There was one Mexico's one was a basketball court, although you weren't allowed to play basketball properly in it because you could dribble but you couldn't like you could only shoot but you couldn't dribble on the court um but that was really fun it was really bright vibrant space and yeah I remember we got so excited playing basketball in there that the lady inside had to be like guys can you be quiet like there are other exhibitions around here like we were just we were just having some fun something I liked as well a lot about the Arsenal exhibition was it had so many amazing models in it like I mentioned the projection earlier. There was a lot of proje- projection onto models here. Yeah, the, some of the models, the scale of them were really some. We had some really big models. There was like a textile model as well. The exhibitions at the Arsenal were also really interactive as well. Like it was the building that the Arsenal exhibition was in. It was just like one long building. So you just went from room to room to room to room to room. Um, and were just wowed each time you went in. And you like saw something on a big screen or a really large um, collage or model. And yeah, there was even some models that were some really like nice materials. But also like interesting combination of materials. Like you had a lot of concrete and wood, um, resin and concrete. Um, kind of materials I wouldn't have thought first of when I'm making my own models. Even saw some plans like cast into like straw although it wasn't like straw it's like when you make paper yourself but like someone had like cast their plans into it and hung them on like hung them on the ceiling and they just hang down like like clothes hanging off a washing line but instead it was i was struggling to describe it It instead it was like 
Instead, it was like compressed pulp board that was like hanging with the plan on it, which is interesting. And there were also loads of illustrations throughout the exhibition, which I really like because I love drawing things by hand. So it was nice to see how some people represented some of their ideas through like hand drawing. Um, and the Arsenal as well was a lot of architect pra- architects' practices that were showcasing their models too. I might add, not it wasn't like all student work. I think that we did see some student work, but a lot of it was um, practices um, showing models of things that they had made or had concepts for um, from the respective countries that were at the exhibition. But that's enough about the Architecture Biennale exhibition. It was really good and it is definitely worth visiting. Um, even though some of it was more, sometimes I found more art than architectural, some of it was hard to understand. But I feel like you're not going to, I'm not going to understand everything realistically. Um, not everything is, yeah, maybe it's just not made to be understood. Like, I remember there was even part of my design studio brief where one week it just said, it's not meant to make sense. And sometimes I just took that approach when I was looking at some of the exhibitions. I was like, maybe it's not meant to make sense. Maybe that's the point. Um, and that was really good. Other than the Biennale, we were of course in Venice, so we visited St. Mark's Basilica. Although I found that a bit underwhelming. Like, we paid three years to go in, we literally did a loop. When you got in, it was like charging you extra to go to different parts of the Basilica. And it was really dark in there. And we were literally in and out in like five minutes. But it was still interesting, you know, it's something you can say you've done now. And we also visited, I think we visited a few other churches and basilicas. And yeah, walked around the city and it was, yeah, really nice. I think it was, I mean, for those that don't know, Venice has no, like, the island has no roads, no cars. It's like a very, you can only walk, essentially. So we did a lot of walking, like 20,000 steps one day, someone counted that we'd done. Especially at the pavilions of the Architecture Biennale as well. We did a lot of walking there. Um, But I think it was, yeah, a really nice way to explore the city as you never, I didn't feel like I missed anything that I passed, like everything I passed I saw, um, which was really nice. And we also saw the outside of Doge's Palace, Bridge of Sighs as well, which was really exciting. Um, I thought the Bridge of Sighs, the concept behind that is clever. Well, the the name of it is clever because as you walk, as prisoners walk across the bridge into the prison, they look out the window of the bridge and they sigh because it's their last view of Venice before they get out of the prison, if they do get out, which I thought was very clever. Overall, I did think the architecture in Venice would be a bit different than what it was. I think I really noticed that how there was a mix of like materials and like buildings like in one space. It felt strange. I just was like a it did feel like a mix of different different time periods, different styles, different things. Um and I don't know, maybe I expected it to be more cohesive, more like more of the same thing. Um but it the buildings along the water was really beautiful. We were, we were blessed with the weather. So it was sunny for most of the days. And with the water and the buildings, it looked beautiful. On one of the days, we also went to Verona, which was magnificent. I think it was one of my favourite days of the trip. Despite the trip being to Venice, I think my favourite day was the day we spent in Verona. Um, because, first of all, it kind of highlighted... It made it so obvious how little nature Venice has. Because... Because it's all built on, like, wooden foundations, like, there's no, there are no, like, trees. Like, <laughs> it sounds silly to describe, but I just didn't think about that until I arrived at Verona. I was like, wow, all of this nature, like, so nice. But Venice doesn't have this because 
of how it's built. So I think it's something that's really missing in the city and you can really feel. And some people were asked, like our academics that on the trip asked, like, asked us, would you live here? And I was just like, no, like there's no nature, no parks. But like as soon as we arrived in Venice, we could feel the nature and the atmosphere just was different. Um, and yeah, it was just really, it, yeah, really highlighted that. And in Verona, of course, you visited Juliet's balcony from the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it, which was nice um, and just like a touristy thing to do. And yeah, like shopping areas are also really nice. I- in whilst we were in Verona, we saw Castle Vecchio, the Gothic castle, and we also saw the arena. Um, which <laughs> it was funny because those people on the trip were like, "Oh yeah, meet you at the Colosseum." Like it's not the Colosseum, but like <laughs> that's what everyone was calling it, which was funny. And yeah, we went out for dinner there, which was great. I had the most incredible squid ink pasta. It was amazing. And I just thought, I can't like the food in Verona was better than the food in Venice. But anyway, overall, the trip was great. And yeah, now I'm just back at uni, back getting back into the routine. Honestly, I've not been very good at getting back into the routine. Um, I already mentioned this podcast episode was meant to come out earlier this week but I've just had deadlines and had work to catch up on and plan and sort out and I'm still sorting it all out I did mention in a previous episode that I would take work to Venice but (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking like nothing got done the laptop never got opened and I really I did nothing I did no work I think I took one of my dissertation books in my bag when we were traveling somewhere but I think I just ended up sleeping on the journey, so I didn't end up reading it. Um, and I think that's kind of the point. It's kind of supposed to be a break, so I thought, I guess I made the most of it. And I had no regrets from doing that either. Um, and now I'm just going to spend the next few weeks compensating for that and making up for that time. Um, but also a few, we were, in my studio specifically, we were assigned tasks that did link to the things that we saw in Venice, which is still beneficial to our studio. That's enough about Venice. Let's get into the action. In this episode, I'm going to be asking the question, is studying architecture at university a typical uni experience? Because I think studying architecture at university is very niche and very unique from a lot of other courses. And I want to see why, like find out why. And like, is this... Is the fact that it's unique a good thing or is it not a good thing? Like, what do we think about it? So to kickstart this conversation, I think we have to think about what a typical university experience is. In my opinion, a typical university experience consists of moving out, um, living independently, whether this be in student halls of residence or with friends. It also includes studying, working in the library, um, I'm thinking about what I would have told you university was like before I went. Also, going out with friends, travelling, university trips definitely would have been on the um, itinerary. Living alone, living with flatmates, um, making new friends. That's kind of how I would define it. So I also asked on the podcast Instagram at Architecture Student Diary what other people thought the typical university experience was like so let me have a look we have friends like i mentioned going out clubbing drinking i think that's definitely a thing at university is the drinking culture 
whether you're into it or not um finding independence i think that is also definitely the reason i came to university was i did crave the independence of trying to do things on my own and trying to find my feet essentially um whether that be you know from my routine of you know going to uni studying coming back cooking for myself doing my laundry i think i just wanted to know that i could survive on my own which i probably could have but i just wanted to test it out and see what it was like and i think i have a better taste of what life is like by having this experience going out definitely true i think a lot of people capitalize on the fact that you're not at home with your parents when you're at uni um and love to do activities with their friends um I know, like, in my experience of uni so far, I've done loads of things. We've done escape rooms. We have gone ice skating. We've travelled to local cities. Um, done a lot of things um, in between my time. We've got similar themes coming up. Yeah, friends, going out, and the independence um, side of university. And I think, yeah, that will definitely resonate with a lot of people as what they think university will be like or how the university life is. So, can you have this experience whilst at university? Studying architecture specifically. Well, architecture is a very intense course. I think for those that are already in it know that. And it's very demanding. Like, it's very... It asks a lot of you. And I think sometimes more than you think you can give. And with that comes a challenge of balancing that with all the other things that you also want to do. And this is something I struggle with because there I want to do so many things that... I'm constantly trying to juggle priorities and like split my time between different things um, in order to get the experience that I want from university and get what I want out of it. And I think in architecture, this is, can be quite hard to find this balance because there's not a lot of people doing it in a way that, well, from my opinion, there are not a lot of people that are doing it in a way where they're also having this typical experience by going out often and doing extracurriculars, joining societies, I didn't mention that as well. And I sometimes felt like I was, not everybody had the desire to do this, to to go out and explore. And a lot of people just wanted to study all the time, which is not a bad thing. I mean, in moderation, of course, you know, it's not a bad thing. But in terms of like the typical uni- university experience, I often question whether I'm doing I'm doing the university right. But I guess everyone could kind of question this not just me, um, because it's each so unique to the individual about how you want university to be. I mean, essentially, you have to define for yourself what you want out of university and how you're going to meet that expectation and whether what you're doing will meet that expectation in the first place. Like, are you going to do the right thing to get this independent life that you want? Or do you prefer to, to be working and doing an apprenticeship or something that will give you... Yeah, different type of freedom, I guess, because in architecture, it might seem like well, at university, like you have, you know, a lot of time because, um, you know, you just have your lectures and everything else around that. And whereas compared to if you were working, you'd be working like nine to five and that would be it. So I would say it was it's difficult. I think based on the workload, the culture of architecture and studying architecture and I guess also the structure of the year is also quite different to other courses. So I have housemates and friends who do other other courses. And sometimes there are moments where you can feel the differences between each other where, for example, in terms of the culture in architecture, I think this came up in, yes, it came up in the Q&A. 
that I put on the Instagram where someone said, I think all-nighters are pretty exclusive to architecture. I partly agree with this. I do think this little link into the culture where all-nighters are seen as like an acceptable thing to do when you don't have, you know, you don't, you haven't done enough work and your work is due the next day. You've got to be pinned up by 10 a.m. and you haven't got the work done. So you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to sleep from now until... 10am and I'm going to get all that work done as soon as I've presented I'm going to go home and sleep and I know many people who have done that and that is a problem the fact that I know many people have done that because I think that encourages like such a negative culture and especially if you're rewarded for that work that you produce in that time um it's not good like I was saying to a friend actually that maybe we should start discussing like you get points in your crit for how many hours of sleep you got like you know, if you've got eight hours, like, well done, like, you know, extra 5%, you know, if you've got less than eight hours, like, <laughs> or you've got less than six, like, I think it's, like, uh, six and under, where, like, there are dramatic changes to your brain, like, when you don't sleep, and then it'd be like, okay, you've got, like, three hours of sleep, you know, no extra points for you, you know, you've got to find a way to balance and prioritise, and sleep is such a priority that is so neglected in architecture, it is insane the amount of people that will rock up to crits and I'm like, did you sleep? And they're like, no, I didn't sleep. I'm going to go to sleep like in the next hour. And I think it's crazy, but I can kind of understand it to an extent when work can be so demanding and you feel like there's no other way to do it than to, to stay up all night. And I wouldn't say it's exclusive to architecture because I feel like I know other students who, who've also done that, especially close to deadlines with things like dissertation. They're like staying up late to just get things done but it is definitely very common in architecture and especially outside of like in other architecture schools and like in articles and things I keep seeing it crop up about um the lack of sleep and the importance of taking care of your well-being while studying architecture I think that's also why it's good to have friends outside of architecture as well as not just in architecture because it can really put things into perspective sometimes when you're like wow no one else is staying up like till 5am to get this done is this something I should be doing or should I just be planning my time differently to get things done where I don't have to sacrifice my sleep? That's what I think in terms of all-nighters and culture. And I think how, how we're rewarded for the work we do will impact how we do it. You know, if we do it a certain way and we're rewarded for it, we're going to keep doing that, which is not good, which is not always good. I also mentioned the structure of the year. Studying architecture can be quite different because... Often we're leading up to the biggest submission, which is the design studio submission. And a lot of other courses will have like exams or many more smaller assignments compared to the big ones that we have, I think. Um, which I think is the, why the approach to work is different. Like I feel like it's more, maybe more spread out if you have more exams or for different subjects. Whereas we're just, with design studio, I feel like I'm constantly just focused on the design studio and also dissertation now, but primarily design studio for the entirety of the whole year so you're just constantly working on the same thing all the time and maybe the lack of diversity in the modules you're doing is a difference to the typical university experience where maybe they other people are covering more content throughout their uni years as you're doing a lot of design studio all the time um which i enjoy doing design studio the most even if it's not always most reflective of what you will be doing in work which is another conversation for another day. I also finished in May um, of last year, my final submission, the start of May. So literally end of April was when I was like finishing up my design studio project. 
And I had other students that I was with who were still having exams, like, through May and some even in June. Um, so I felt like it wasn't very typical because at the time that I was, like, preparing preparing for these um, sort of deadlines, my peers, they didn't have... They hadn't even started exams yet. So it was kind of weird where I was, like, working loads and they were just trying to enjoy the last few weeks of uni before they'd have to start revising as well, which was another difference. Another answer to do you think studying architecture at university represents a typical university experience? So the answer to that question on my story, we also have studio culture and its competitiveness is also pretty exclusive to architecture. So what's my experience with competition? Hmm, I... I've never really felt competition personally that bad um, studying architecture so far. I mean, I can I can definitely tell when other people's work is better than mine. Like, I'll, I'll be the first to say that. But I think I've never compared... That's a lie. I've definitely compared myself to other people, but I've tried not to take it too far because I understand that in order for them to receive a quality of work like that, they've... They've put in the work. I think I just, I've tried to teach myself to understand that everyone is different. There's, it's literally no use of you comparing yourself to someone else. Um, because it's just tiring. It's so tiring to compare yourself to what other people are doing. And I think you've just got to focus on what is being asked of you and of your work. And what also what your lifestyle is like. Because... You don't know what other people are going through to be able to produce work like that. And you don't know the hours that have gone into it or the experiences they have that have also enabled them to do it. Because some people, you know, who may have done work experience over the summer, who may have family who also know how to use this software or who may be architects, they may have helped them on that work. And equally, they may be on loads of hours that you just don't have time for at the current moment. And I think it's just very unhelpful and something I've definitely realized early on that it's not going to be helpful if I keep comparing myself to other people um especially when you're friends with people studying architecture you can use the differences between your work like to your advantage where you can ask them how they've done something or they can ask you how you've done something and how you've even found time for it or what's the quickest way of doing something I think this also applies like across years like not just within people in your cohort but people in the years above and you're below so like think to the people that you know above and below and if you don't know these people find a way to get to know them and expand your network of people you can talk to because that is also a really important part of the studio culture is who you're talking to and who you're relying on for help because it's so unique you really do lean on each other in architecture to to get through things and um, because sometimes especially when you're working on modules for the long periods of time you just can get lost in it and you don't know at one point you just don't know what you're doing and you just need a sense of direction and you just have one friend that is at that stage or have figured something out and you know a problem shares the problem halved so I've definitely relied over the past two years on my friends to get me by especially when it comes to software because I struggle with uh, working on CAD software um and they've yeah supported me through that and I think maybe that's something that is more found more in architecture where because we're always in the studio and always working together we develop better connections with those people because we're always with them compared to other courses where you may go to a lecture and come back and not speak to anyone in that lecture or maybe not even feel obliged to even go to that lecture in the first place. Um, but in architecture, because 
that a lot of the work we do is hands-on you need to be there to get constant feedback because you don't want to spend hours on something and then it not be you know not be on the right path or not be of as much value as you thought it would be I think sometimes everything is of value even if it's a mistake but being around other people whilst you're doing your work is very helpful um because sometimes it can just your friends will just spot things that you won't and I think that's a good thing that is a difference between architecture and maybe the typical uni experience where Maybe it's people, some people's friends might be more focused on the societies they're in or the houses they're with. But with architecture, there's a the potential for really strong relationships and friendships within your course because you're always with each other, always in groups, doing group work and just spending so much time with each other. Whether you want to or not, um, you just end up building that relationship with people and it can yeah really be helpful later down the line and even outside of university. I hear of people who I meet and they're like, oh yeah, like I know this person because, you know, we were in the same studio together and I think that's really nice that we can build those relationships with each other and bond over something that is so niche and unique and sometimes it's really hard for people outside of architecture to relate, like why don't you just stop working? But we're just like, you don't understand, like the deadline's approaching, you know, my tutors asked me for this and this, they've asked me to change my design. And, you know, I haven't done it in the way they wanted me to. So now I've got to do it again. It's, yeah, it's going to really, sometimes be really unrelatable for people outside of architecture. So you've got to get a bounce, good bounce of friends. People in architecture who understand, empathise. And sometimes people outside of architecture give you that reality check that you need. So ultimately, in response to this question, does architecture give you the typical university experience I think it can I think it is really up to you whether it gives you what you want I think you've got to define what it is that you want from architecture and studying and going to university in the first place is it the independence is is it meeting new friends is it going out exploring new places going on trips is it learning about a specific thing you've got to define what that is and how you're going to meet that expectation I think and for me the meeting new people and the independence is a really important part of me studying at university. And I've tried to meet these expectations by doing sport, you know, making friends there, doing extracurricular activities and getting involved in volunteering opportunities to get the experience that I want because I also wanted to make capitalise on on the fact that I'm at university and that I get to be with loads of people who also have similar interests to me and also in an institution that has so many opportunities that you can just you just have to reach out and grab essentially and from a studying point of view I'd say it is very different from other courses because of the workload and the intensity and also the constant feedback you get I think in other courses you don't get as much feedback as you get in architecture where literally every week there's the opportunity to get feedback it's like it's weird because sometimes if you think about it it's like you could get 100% like Someone who knows how to get 100%, like your tutor, is telling you how to do that every week. So if you manage to do everything they said perfectly, you could get the 100%. But obviously, we all know in university, like, 100% isn't really... It's, like, publishable work. So your your grade is essentially out of 80 or whatever. Or even 70. 70 onwards is a first. So, yeah, in my head, I see it. Like, it's, like, out of 75, essentially. Um... Because otherwise, if you constantly see it out of 100, you'll just feel, like, defeated and never accomplished because your work is not at publishable level. 
But anyway, the workload and intensity is definitely a difference. The culture is also different in the studio. I think the amount of people I know on my course is different to how many people... Other people who don't do architecture know on their course um, because of the relationships we've built. And the structure of it is also unique because there is the assumption, which I don't think should be there, that you will qualify as an architect at the end of it. So I feel like everyone, tutors included, tutors included is under the assumption that you will continue to you know, do your part one work experience, do your part two, do your part three, do the exam, qualify and go along the same path. And I think maybe that's because we're studying a, a subject that has like the profession in its title, you know, like if you're studying architecture, you're going to become an architect. Whereas if you're studying English, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become an English teacher. There's so many careers people go into from studying English. Or maybe English wasn't the best example. Um, whereas I feel like with architecture, there is that assumption that everyone will become an architect assistant, everyone become an architect. Which I don't think is the right mentality because it won't be for everyone and some people will have to do the course to realise that. So they shouldn't really assume, they should only assume that you do the undergraduate. Um, and there's also a lot of privilege to be able to com- continue and and uh, complete your part three undergraduate um, of architecture. That's a summary of my thoughts really on how typical I think architecture is in in that it's not so typical and it's very unique. Um, and it can be difficult if you're someone who wants to do a lot of things and have this typical experience to fit it around architecture because it's so specific in what it requires and how much work it wants from you. Um, but you've also got to draw the line sometimes and be like, I need to sleep. <laughs> like some aspects of the culture we cannot continue. Like it's, we are the next generation, if we are the next generation of architects, I should say, or people that work in the environment, we've got to discourage the negative culture. And we've kind of got to shape the future by how we live now and how we study now. Um, We don't want to be working somewhere where we're having to pull all-nighters to get work done for deadlines all the time. Like, it's not a healthy culture. Um, Whether people do it or not, it's not healthy. Um, So, definitely not so typical. So I hope this episode got you thinking about what architecture looks like at university and what university looks like in general and how you can compare these two things and whether architecture is really as unique as you think it is and whether you think architecture is a typical university experience or not I would love to know what you think I think there's a lot of value in the university experience but you've just got to create that value for yourself and it's I think it was highlighted you know during covid that when this uni experience was removed and it was just the education a lot of people didn't feel like they got their value for their money So I think we have to create the value because the typical university experience is, you know, what's filling that gap for some people. That is where they see the value. And it can get you thinking and reflecting on how you're doing so far at university, if you're at university, and whether you are doing the right things now to get the things you want tomorrow. Um, I think it's just about having that future thinking, like mindset, where you're thinking, will I be happy looking back on how I've done managed these, these years? in terms of how I've managed my work, how I've managed my free time, the people I've spent my time with, and whether that reflects the university university experience that you want. Um, And if it doesn't, what can you do to change it? Because I think it's not over, you know. If you're still at university, it's not over. You know, we've still... It's November now, you've literally got seven or eight months of uni to make change. 
and I think yeah we shouldn't give up if we're not getting what we want so far I think we should be determined to get what we want out of our education and whether it be typical or not so typical because some people don't want the typical university experience that most people describe or that's advertised to you at school some people don't want that but just make sure that you're getting what you want out of it because you're the one paying you are the customer and um it should feel that you're getting you're getting your money's worth essentially so thank you for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed it um bit of a discussion a bit of a chatty one and i'll be back next week with another episode make sure you're following the architect student diary at architect student diary on instagram and you're subscribed wherever you're listening so you can stay tuned whenever i release another episode i hope whatever you're doing this week you have a great one